drunk yet i have steam whistle these are tall boys so yeah kind of a little excellent um what kind of blue oyster cult bullshit have you got uh no i i got rid of the blue lobster shit i'm drinking uh brickworks uh cider house queen street 501 okay back to the good stuff <laughs> i wouldn't go so far as to say good better you, you know what? You know, I'm not a big fan of lime and drinks. Like, I don't mind pop, right? Like, that's a yeah. lemon lime pop, like Seven Upper Sprite. But in the alcoholic Angola. beverages, no. <laughs> you know what's actually really good is ginger and lime and vodka. Yeah, if if you're into that kind of thing. So, do you have any good news to share about things that have happened in the last week, the last month, last year? nope <laughs> oh wow well that's dude impressive. i'm at that point in my life where it's just like i don't want to say i'm counting the days until i die but i mean i've raised my family and my kids are out of the house hell it's i'm gonna blink and my grandkids will be out of their house i don't know if anyone's getting out of anyone anyone's house in the rest of our lifetimes it's um uh, it's weird, the emptiness thing. Like, I think Tanya and I have, have fallen into the trappings of routine, and we need to figure ah, out a way to get out of it. You need to buy a sex swing. I've been saying these things. <laughs> you just got to find one that'll support your weight, I'm just saying. Because <laughs> I'll be the one in the swing, right? <laughs> That's right. <laughs> it's true. Hey, whatever. Yeah. Hey, you're married. That's not the way I thought we'd start this podcast, but hey, we're into it now. <laughs> we're no longer a Baldur's Gate podcast. We're a, a sex toy slash furniture apparatus podcast. One of the things, my parting gift from, from last episode was a webcomic called Questionable Content. Um, one of the things I wanted to say about it, and I forgot to, was that uh, he, he has a little blurb at the bottom of every comic. Just, I mean, it's like a half a sentence or a phrase or whatever. Um, and one of the things he put in there was, uh, I had a fan who came up to me at a convention and he was like, I've, cause I've always read it as questionable content, right? It makes sense. It's actually addressed, I think in the first series of comics. Mm -hmm. Um, but he's like, this fan came up to me and said, I've always read it as, cause there's a lot of relate relationship type stuff. Um, and when he, he said, I've always read it as questionable content. And he's like, and it made me think, it's like, yeah, that kind of fits. But the the thing that brought it to mind again was the whole sex toy thing. One of the characters in the comic has the job. It's a minor character, but they have a job that they test sex toys at a at a at a sex toy factory. Right. And of course the immediate everybody looks at them and they're like, no, 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 no. Like, you know, with hydraulic presses and you know, we set things on fire and you know, like quality controlled sort of safety testing. Um, but the, the very first thing you think is like, oh yeah, like, can you, can you imagine a podcast that was literally about testing sex toys? You know, 
There's some podcasts out there, but I gotta say, like Tanya has started listening to podcasts recently. And and she listens to a lot of true crime stuff. Like it's the most popular genre ever. But then she's listening to stuff that uh there's one God, I can't remember the name of it. Is it called Bad Dates or something like that? Oh no. And it is not just people talking about bad dates, but it's the type of people that date and hook up like you and I play video games. Oof. Like it is, it is raunchy. It is just like, hey, I'm a dude. And yeah, dudes think about sex a lot, but I listened to her listening to this episode and I'm, I'm listening to these people tell their stories and I'm like, how's your back? Man, my favorite comment about sex of all time happened on a panel show for the BBC. And uh, it's uh, a lady who she she hosts her own sort of panel show now, but she started off as a professional pro poker player. She has like, I don't know, a PhD in something, but she's very, very smart. Um, and she got married to a comedian and now she shows up as a guest on all kinds of, of um, uh, panel show type things. And the, the topic turns around to like, you know, like how do people deal, like do sex? Like what, how long does it take? And everybody's into all the romantic things. There's lots of foreplay and you, know, you lay out rose petals. And she's like, no, get in, get out. Like I got to work in the morning. I want to go to sleep. <laughs> I'm like, nobody's got time for that. I'm like, oh my God. Like it's, and the way that she delivered it was so deadpan. Like, you know, she's not really serious, but at the same time, she's like, you know, just it's, 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 a, it's a, it's a chore. Just get it over with, get it done and move on. There's the one thing that I, I definitely want to hear while having sex is we just get it over with. Oh Yeah. I mean that ends it right that there. That ends it much. right there. Yeah. Yeah, it's done. Like we're yeah, we're done. We're done here. <laughs> I'm gonna go play with the electric toothbrush. I'll be back in ten minutes. <laughs> yeah. Hey, listen. You know what? I'm pretty pretty comfortable talking about sex and things. Like I, I don't have a lot of taboos. Um, YouTube might. It's it's not a. This isn't a parting gift, but I, I'm going to go back and mention this podcast that my wife's been listening to because it just, it features people like we talked about it a little bit in our last episode about how Baldur's Gate 3 portrayed sex in a little bit more of an adult manner. It's something that happens that doesn't have to be tied to a romantic relationship. Like sometimes people just do it for the fun. A lot of times people just do it for the fun and it is do. a carnal physical activity. It's lustful. It doesn't have anything to do with love sometimes. And that it was interesting to see that portrayed in a game. The guests on this show, like, I'm not even sure they're part of the same species Jesus. as I am, yeah. right? Like, they're just, and and I don't, you know, again, it is not like I'm not looking at what they're doing, yuck and their yum, or, or I don't find it distasteful. But just how big a part of their lives hooking up with random people sometimes is, like, I, I won't go so far as to say they've made it their identity, but it is Close. it's eye opening and, and don't get it's entertaining. Like there's funny stories. I'm not I'm not shitting on this podcast at all. Quite the opposite. Like if you 
if you weren't turned off by people very openly and honestly talking about sex and some like funny sex stories, give it a listen. I mean, it isn't, it isn't my bag. I'm not uh, somebody who's going to tune in and, and listen to it myself. But like when when my wife has it on, I've 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 got an ear turned towards it, and I find it interesting at least. So check it out. Kind of a parting gift. What's it called again? Uh, bad dates. Bad I think dates. it's part of a network. So there's there's another podcast that she listens to that has a bunch of actors like. Um, Will Arnett and um, Jason Bateman and something. I, I forget what it's called. I don't know. She listens to that, and I think this was sort of a spin-off show of that, or it's being produced by the, the, the same group anyway. So it's like high production value, a lot of money behind it. Hey, and, and, and this may come as a surprise, but podcasts can actually have talented and charismatic, like... What? hosts and performers and stuff so it's all very very well done my god but, we're doomed i know right we are we are not competitive in this space <laughs> yeah so so we're gonna have to pivot into something else we're 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 no longer a Baldur's gate 3 podcast we're no longer a sex podcast that that was short-lived um now we're gonna be a history podcast <laughs> it was short-lived like the act itself in my house <laughs> five minutes what am oh I going to do with the other four and a half minutes? Like, <laughs> oh, I could have a shower. <laughs> All right. So I had this idea, and this was one of those a few weeks ago. Oh, my God, we're going to record tonight. And we don't have anything to talk about. And I threw this idea out, and then we didn't use it. And I decided I want to talk about it because, again, I was looking at my show doc. 15 minutes before we were getting ready to record. And I'm like, ooh, that second episode's looking a little bit sparse. So this should be interesting because A, you're about half in the bag. So am I. Or at least. B, I know you've not prepped for this at all. I, it's a question I've had before, though. Oh, yeah. I, I think it's a good question for a nerd. Uh, because, like, it's a, it's a question you shouldn't have to think about. And I'd be interested to see, like, what kind of answers come out of it. So to, to set this up a little bit, this is like nerdy hot tub time machine kind of thing. Uh, we want to look at this from an academic angle. So you've got a time machine, but you can't go back and change history, but you can kind of peer back into time and see history. Uh, and we want to talk about a few things that each of us would like to go back and see for whatever reasons. I'm kind of coming at it from an academic angle. I've really, in the past five or six years, I would say, really, really started digging into a lot of historical stuff, like way more than I ever did when I was in school. Um, and not the type of histories that I would have been into at the time. Um, so I find all sorts of shit interesting now. I'm... Uh, I'm one of those guys that, that knows enough about a lot of things to get themselves into trouble because when I regurgitate information, it's generally wrong. It's founded in truth and the, the things that I've heard, but uh, I'm not an expert in anything. So as I'm talking about stuff today, and, and this probably applies to you. Oh, yeah. We're going to say some things that are factually inaccurate, and that's fine. This is an entertainment podcast. In addition oh. to being a history and sex podcast. 
<laughs> it's a podcast about the history of sex. We'll try and make it entertaining. So aside from just going back and reading Wikipedia articles about video games by year, is there, <laughs> let's, let's start with you. Ah. If you had a time machine or a window to peer back in time, what would you look into? Um, I would be interested. There's a couple of things that spring to mind immediately. And the first is the construction of Stonehenge. Mm -hmm. I mean, I would probably have to cast back and forth a little bit to find out exactly when oh, that yeah. happened, but it would be, it would be interesting to see that. It would be interesting to see some of the uh, uh, sort of Celtic and early Britain things uh, that happened, like the, you know, the carving of the dude on the side of the hill, um, you know, some things like that. The other thing that that comes up in my brain is I would, I would look back and watch the crucifixion. Because, I mean, that is a historical event as far as we mm -hmm. can tell, right? Um, it would be interesting to see not not so much the the crucifixion itself but the reaction of the crowd around it yeah like like just what were what were what was the average man on the street thinking at the time you know so, i have a, so let's extend a, the rules of this a little bit cuz i okay. actually had a controversial option here so instead of just looking back at time let's say you can interact with history but can't change anything oh. my controversial option Operating the under the assumption that Jesus, the man, really existed, which I think most scholars, like scientists, actually believe he existed. Wouldn't it be great to go back and have a beer or a wine with the guy? Hear what he actually has to say? Now, you know, there's we're hand-waving a lot of stuff away here. Language barriers. Obviously, you'd need to prep for something like this, right? You're not going to go back and speak modern English to Jesus and and have any sort of exchange of information there. You're probably going to immediately catch diseases and either kill Jesus or die yourself. Yeah. We're hand-waving all of that away. We're going back in the TARDIS. It's a, it's a thought experiment here. But go back and, and have a beer with Jesus and, and just hear what he has to say, like straight from the horse's mouth. Well, okay. Here's, I mean, in the, in the theme of the podcast... Uh, here's, here's it rather than like, what would you watch it? If you could go back in time and have a beer with any individual in history, who would it be? Now, obviously Jesus is off the table because we, we've already covered that one. It language barrier aside, you know, universal translator, you know, slugged in your ear, whatever you wanted, the Bible fish. I'm going to take the, the, the short answer, just like the cheat answer, because it's obvious for nerds and that'd be Leonardo da Vinci. Yeah. Such an intriguing, interesting mind of his time. And there's probably a lot that hasn't survived through history. And, and that's what's really interesting about this thought experiment is, is in a lot of this stuff that, you know, we're interested enough to want to look back, we have some information, some tantalizing things to, to hook into us and make us interested. But how much of it is story, how much of it is, is based in reality. You know, we have enough physical, tangible things about Leonardo da Vinci to say, even in his time, this was a special man, a special mind. Yeah, absolutely true. To just have a beer with the guy, like, you know. Just shoot the shit. Like, that would be an obvious choice. And there's some other people, but, like, I've got a few other things on my list here that would would bring those people into the fold. So I'm not going to 
not going to recycle my answers, but. Um, I, I have, uh, this is a little bit out of left field. My, my choice of someone to go back and have a beer and just like shoot the shit with is Shaka Zulu. Um, for a couple of reasons. Number one, I, like in Western culture, at least we know almost nothing about this person. Mm-hmm. Um, and second, like, because, uh, because our cultures would be so different, it would just mm-hmm. be so interesting to me to see like what, like what is, what is happening in, in their mind about, you know, the world and how it's changing. Mm-hmm. And it would also be interesting to see like what, what was society in Africa at that time actually like? Cause I have a feeling that everything that we know about it is wrong. Oh, absolutely. Um, we, we've got some tantalizing tastes like through modern archeology. span and you know you have to have to push through centuries of established racism and all the barriers that are put in place around it. But there's something that you you have to keep in mind when it comes to, and I'm going to talk specifically about sub-Saharan Africa here, mm-hmm. is that for the vast majority of time that humans anatomically modern humans have been alive and and about in the world the sahara desert is like the pacific ocean it's just a boundary that very very few people at any point in history crossed or even probably thought about crossing so you know i mean there's some obviously like you know we we as a species migrated out of Africa and radiated into Eurasia and, and stuff like it's, it's happened, but there's some argument about that. There is <laughs> that funny enough, probably on my list, but for, for the vast majority of history, the, the desert, the Sahara desert was like crossing the ocean. It was like the new world, you know, like, Oh my God, there's the, the Americas are a thing. I was looking for India and well, I guess those guys kind of look like Indians, <laughs> right? Guess. But what that means, like from a from a archaeological and, and anthropo- uh, anthropological sense, is that so much of what happened in deep history in Southern Africa has just been completely lost, and we've now got tantalizing tastes that civilizations rose and fell that would have rivaled any of the contemporary civilizations in, in Europe and Asia at the time. Yeah. But we have, you know, we know tons about Romans. We know tons about the Greeks. We know tons about Persia and going back even to uh, Samaria and, and, and Assyria and, and, you know, what we would consider the cradle of civilization. Well, all of that shit was going on in Southern Africa too, but we just... We don't have a record. We don't have a record for the vast majority of recorded history. There's been very little interest in in doing anything besides, you know, looting Egypt, right? (laughs) Everything that went on south of the desert was just whatever. These these are people that were, you know, not capable of, of developing the levels of civilization that we would be interested in. And surprise, actually, probably some of the more advanced civilizations at the time happened down there and we just... It's a blind spot in history. 
When it, yeah, and that's that's the reason that I think it would be an interesting uh, angle to take. Yeah. Here's a here's an interesting thought, and I'm not I'm you know two and a half sheets to the wind here, and again, not an expert uh, by mm-hmm. any means. But the the idea of if you think about like um, uh, Madagascar or the um, the big turtles and Charles Darwin, the Galapagos Islands. Um, like things that sort of were allowed to develop without a whole lot of outside interference. I wonder how much different society develops when you don't have a bombardment of outside influences. And I'm not talking about like immigration, like in the modern world, we're just, that doesn't exist anywhere because even if, even if you stop people from crossing your borders, ideas cross borders now. Like we are on mm-hmm. the road to becoming like one global civilization. And I think that that's a good thing on the whole. Um, but I wonder like, cause it's so many, like if you look at the history, especially of, of uh, Europe and Southern Europe in particular, when you're talking about like, you know, Italy and Greece and you know the South of France and, and Southern Germany and that kind of stuff. Like it's a history of there was this war. And then at the same time that was going on, there was this war and then this war. And then it was just like, it's literally an overlapping mosaic of wars from the beginning of when we started writing things down. Like the history of Europe may as well just be a list list of how people died. Like Mm -hmm. it could be the book of the dead. That's the history of Europe. And I'm wondering if you take, and I'm not suggesting that there wasn't, you know, conflict in sub-Saharan Africa. I'm sure there was. Oh, absolutely. Uh, because that's human nature, right? But I wonder how much different uh, like society would be if you, for example, the idea of Atlantis. Here's this island in the middle of nowhere where they don't they don't have to worry about you know going hungry. They don't have to worry about invaders. They don't have to worry about you know everybody has to carry a spear. How semi, different would society be? Semi related. Uh, and I'm not going to get into it like in this topic so much, but have you ever looked into, uh, is it North Sentinel Island, the, the Sentinelese? It's like the, the one sort of population of people that like, it's actually illegal to, to visit this island and interfere with the culture. And some people have tried over the years and, and just immediately been killed. So you've probably seen some videos. I've, of, oh, I've like, heard, so, I've heard yeah, something like, about, it. I didn't know it was yeah, like a Christian missionary tries to go and there's these you know, people come out and just shoot them full of arrows. And there was some, some exchanges that happened with some, some, um, some scientists at one point decades and decades ago, but it, it went sideways and it just, they just said, you know what? We're going to leave these people fucking alone. Makes sense. But you know, and it obviously this is a, as far as we can tell, looking at it from the outside, a very, very sort of stereotypical old school tribal culture, you know, hasn't developed the technologies that, that sharing of information with a widespread population and, and sort of standing on the backs of those that came before you in, in developed society where writing exists, right? Mm. Um, that hasn't happened there. I want to say that they, at one point in time, maybe during one of the wars, somebody landed a plane on the island. I might be mixing it up with something else. So so there has been a little bit of contamination, but still relatively very little compared to every other place in the world that we know about. And if you haven't 
read up on it or, or watched some videos about it, it's definitely worth checking out. I think I North Sentinel Island, Sentinel, you just YouTube Sentinel Island, you'll find something. Okay. Uh, before I move on to one of mine, I want to get actually back to, to your first mention, which was Stonehenge. What do you know about Stonehenge? Um, I, not, not much. Um, it's, it's rocks and they're sort of stood on top of each other. It has nothing to do with druids. Um, it is a heritage site, but if you get a photo from the inside of it, looking out, it's not very big and it's surrounded by highways. Um, it, it's, I think people are still arguing about, you know, whether it was this or whether it was that, or whether it was this, I, I think it was probably just some kind of ceremonial thing where they like, let's build a circle out of rocks. And it's something that probably evolved and, and had multiple purposes over the centuries. I mean, it's an interesting thing just because it's so incredibly old. Yep. Like we think about things like the the pyramids at Giza, the, the Great Pyramids as being like really, really, really old. Stonehenge and was old when Stonehenge they were built. Stonehenge was, yeah, as, like, as old as the pyramids are now when the pyramids were built. Um, one of the interesting things about Stonehenge is the word henge or the definition of what a henge is, was actually developed from Stonehenge. Mm -hmm. Stonehenge is not a henge. <laughs> I can't remember why it's not a henge, but it's not. Um, what I find interesting about Stonehenge is it is probably the best example of the tendency for let's just call them what they are conspiracy theorists Unis? alternate scientists or whatever oh. to completely disregard just how capable and intelligent humans have been the entire time like oh, the idea forever. that, you know, oh, it had to be aliens because, you know, these rocks are too big for primitive humans to lift. Well, you know what? They probably were more equipped to do it than we are. Like, have you looked at us? Yeah, physically, definitely. I've actually watched videos just sort of like experimental archaeology where they just try and like think their way through through the process of doing these things with the limitations that people back at the time would have had. and. At almost the same scale, a lot of the 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 biggest sort of like T-stones and stuff at uh, at Stonehenge could be moved by a single person. Yeah. Once they're they're you know, you have to construct them in the the the, the right way. You're you're sort of digging them out so that you're you know, they might not have understood the mathematics. They probably did. They might you know, might have very well had a bigger grasp on it or a much larger grasp than we thought. But things like understanding leverage, you know? Oh, yeah. Leverage like, is not a new concept. No, you know, and this applies to, you know, the building of the, the pyramids too, right? Oh, these blocks weigh so many tons. How could they have lifted it? Many, many different ways. I mean, yeah, have, you, have, you, have you watched people in Northern Europe move houses? Right? Yeah. Like, like you lay down some logs and four people can push a house. Yep. 
and and this applies to like the 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 Easter Island uh, stuff too, where you just you yeah. see people, you know, just a small group of people, or even an individual one. Yeah, you build these things flat, you dig out under them, you're able to stand them up using leverage, and then you just you wiggle them. They they literally you walk these giant stones just by shifting the weight ever so slightly back and forth. Yep. With with minimal. Yeah. And if if you ever catch yourself thinking that ancient humans lacked the ability to problem solve the same way we do. They had different tools than us. They didn't always have thousands of years of past knowledge at their fingertips to sort of stand on top of. And that's why, you know, they didn't have electric computers. And I'm, yeah. I, I'm using electric in, in quotation marks there because we're finding, you know what? They had analog yeah. computers a long, long time ago. Yeah, I mean, well, clockworks have been known about forever. And if you think about things like, uh, you know, counting sticks and uh, like there's all kinds of tools that human beings use in order to leverage what we can do into something greater than what it is. Yeah. Right. I mean, you look at uh, what are they called? Adaladdles? Where mm-hmm. you, you turn your throwing arm into a giant long throwing arm, and I mean that's that's an ancient tool. Yeah. So, like, like so ancient that while we don't have material history of it, there's a reasonably good chance that other hominids, non-Homo sapiens, yep, other species in the genus Homo, were using these tools as well. I, I mean, there's cave paintings of it, so it's very definitely. Yep like super old. And if you think about like then, so that, that is a, I mean, it's, it is leverage, right? Mm-hmm. It's, it's turning the same force into more force. And if that concept was known and understood, then you know that people at the time who were uh, sort of mentally capable mm-hmm. uh, would have thought, okay, well, can I, can I leverage my thinking? And how did they do that? I, I don't know. Marks in the dirt. Maybe that's what cave paintings are. Maybe that's what Stonehenge is. I don't know. Mm-hmm. I mean, it's not its not an outlandish idea. I just know for sure that it has nothing to do with druids. Certainly not modern druids. Although somehow they have, they've um, acquired a religious exemption to use Stonehenge for their religious rites, mm-hmm. which is very bizarre. It's hard to get into Stonehenge. Really, really hard. All right, so I think the first place I would go. Um, there's a period in, in, in history. So you have history, then you've got like old history, then you've got like very old history. You've got Going back to like the, the, the earliest days of recorded history. Um, there's a, a, a mystery in deep history uh, called the Bronze Age Collapse. Um, do you do you know much about it? Nothing at all. Okay, so to to paint a picture here, uh, we already mentioned what you know it was called the the, the cradle of civilization back uh, in the the Mediterranean area uh, civilizations. Now the the Bronze Age Collapse is something that happened in like the 13th and 12th century BCE. Uh, like a half a century between like 1200 and, and, and 1150 BCE. 
uh, when we saw the the cultural collapse of a whole bunch of the most advanced civilizations that we're at least aware of at the time that have made it through to to our time uh, through the passage of of history. So we're talking the the Mycenaean kingdoms, uh, Kassites in Babylonia, the Hittite Empire in Anatolia and Levant, uh, the New Kingdom of Egypt. Um, they basically all disappeared all at once. And we have a lot of ideas of what may have contributed to it. Um, but we don't know. And, and we'll I, probably never know. I vote that it was a housing bubble caused by the sale price of the pyramids. I mean, it makes sense. <laughs> I, I, I could understand how that could, could come to happen. Uh, but you've probably, for those of you that have heard a little bit about it, have heard about like, things called the Sea Peoples, this this mysterious people that just sort of popped up out of nowhere and, and, and invaded places like Egypt, for instance. Um, and some of that probably happened, but nobody really identified, uh, as far as I know, exactly who these Sea Peoples were. There's a lot of thought that it's likely a mass sort of migration of people that had to leave other areas due to things like drought and famine and, and climate changes and, and whatnot. Um, you know, there's been speculation of like certain volcanic eruptions that we've we've sort of deeded to about the right time might have been significant contributors just due to the impact that they would have had on on climate and you know, we're talking some of the very, very early agricultural societies. And not that we have a lot of safety nets in our own societies, but they certainly would have had less safety nets back then. Yeah. Right. And uh, I don't know. Well, we, we may never know, but it is one of the great mysteries in history, how all of these developed civilizations disappeared yet there are other ones in the same sort of geographic areas that seem to be less impacted by them and and then some that sort of filled the vacuum afterwards hmm. but very right. very interesting hmm. i wonder because there's an awful lot of things that that come through in uh you know myths and legends of like religious texts and stuff so mm -hmm. i wonder like you know you know, the plagues of, of, of Egypt and various things could yeah. be the oral history of, I of saw like a that. very, very interesting, um, series on, I want to say it was curiosity stream. Um, I subscribed to like the curiosity stream and Nebula bundle for like $12 for a whole year. It was a pretty good deal. Uh, that sort of analyzing the, the plagues, the, 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 the shit that went on in, you know, the Bible to try and find like real words, sort of like what could have happened things with, you know, the diversion of the Nile, trying to explain the plagues as if, okay, let's assume something happened that led to, you know, that was interpreted this way. Right. What evidence can we find and how can we try and explain it without, you know, divine wrath? Uh, what would have led to these sort of things? And, and again, a lot of that ties to, to stuff like volcanic eruptions that would have happened uh, a little further further north into the mediterranean area and mesopotamia but uh would have certainly impacted places like egypt where a lot of the context for these things uh 
sort of happened, stuff that 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 made it into to I won't say recorded history, but recorded legend, you know, traditions, stuff that has actually been yeah. written down. Um yeah, I don't know. It's it's like number one on my list of things that I would just like to go back and I mean I find those those cultures interesting anyway. And it's sort of a, a new obsession for me. And hey, listen, some of these these civilizations are there's problems there. Okay. <laughs> They're not I'm not looking at them because I identify with the way they did things. But going back and looking at like the Assyrian Empire, the Neo-Assyrian Empire, and and you know, we're we're literally talking like the first major, major empire. Um, yes, they, they they killed a lot of people and were absolutely horrible. And of all the 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 early empires seem to kind of glorify that aspect of what they did. Uh maybe because that's how you how you were able to maintain empire back in the day. But it is very, very interesting to look back now that we're not We're not too close to to the 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 bad things and the tragedy and all of that shit that happened. I think I mentioned this in another episode about like after I saw Oppenheimer, how there's certain things now that like you you can't talk about the way you would talk about ancient history. Like you can't talk about the Holocaust and 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 Hitler and Nazis in a in a particular way right now, where you try and look at it through different lenses. Yeah. You know, where you no. can go back and look at something like even the Mongol Empire, which was, you know, not thousands of years ago. Um, it, was, it was a while ago. It was a while ago, but it's not like we're not talking 3000 BCE or anything. We're talking, you know, the, the, the like 1200s, yeah. kind of, you know. But you already mm -hmm. have people looking at, at, at somebody like Genghis Khan. And and trying to say, okay, yeah, 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 he he murdered millions or whatever, but let's look at this like step back, you know, yeah, not not take it personally and look at all the good that came out of what the Mongols did. And you could argue, well, yes, there was trade that was established, parts of the world that had never really been completely connected before were connected forevermore, and yada yada yada, yeah, you know. And you're Good not thing. you're not burdened by the weight of millions and millions and millions of deaths like you are talking about you know, the Nazis and, and Hitler and, and the Holocaust. And eventually, some sometime, someday, somebody's going to get to that point where they're actually saying, well, you know, actually, Hitler. Sorry, we have people that try to do this now, but they're they're idiots and obviously wrong. But there's going to be somebody at some point in the future actually doing a sort of academic look at, at somebody like Hitler and saying, well, you know, actually there was some good that came out of that. You know, if you look at the development of technology and medicines as a result of the, the first and second world wars and blah, blah, I blah. I think the only thing that I'm actually comfortable saying good came out of that situation is that it brought the world together to say, no, we will not fucking stand for that. Right. Yeah. I, I get where you're coming from. No, no. It, and it let just... me be clear. Let me be clear. I'm I'm not, I'm not saying there's any good to be found in in Nazism, the Nazis, and Hitler. I'm just saying that the way we look at history and the lenses Changes. we choose to view it through 
the pain, the tragedy that gets softened by the passage of time. You know, when you don't have ancestors on your family tree within three or four rungs that were directly impacted by something that happened, you tend to, to look at things a little bit differently. Your perspective is very, very different. So I can look at studying uh, ancient Assyria and Persia and, and things like that through a more dispassionate lens and find it interesting without saying, well, actually, you know, these, these guys kind of knew what they were doing and, and had some good points. I'm not saying that at all. Yeah, no, I get you. It's kind of how we have kids dressing up as pirates on Halloween now. And if you think about like, who were the pirates and what did they do? Yeah. Right. Yeah. Yep. All right. How about you? Do you have anything else you'd like to go back and take a look at? Um, I, I, there's probably lots. I mean, I would love, to, I would love to, I, I've often thought, what would it be like if you were immortal and you had lived through it? Right. Like how different, how different would your perspective on the world be having, having lived through all of the things that you now see on the history channel and you would just be going, well, that didn't happen. That's, that's wrong. That's not what really happened. I mean, I watch the history channel and say that now. Oh, that's true. <laughs> I mean, the History Channel is mostly about aliens anyway now, right? Right. It's not about history, that's for sure. No. It's about about digging up Treasure Island and mining for gold. And I'm not saying it was aliens, but it was aliens. Um, so I, I have a, an interesting sort of semi-related tangent. Uh if you could go back and I like, I don't know exactly how to frame this question because I mean, the, you know, the first answer is go back and shoot Hitler. But if you could go back and change, you, you can't directly change things. Like you can't change things that anyone knows about. You can't change. If you think about like how Dr. Who is like you, there's, there's fixed moments in time. You can't you're, change you're, those. What you're saying is you're breaking the very serious and set in stone rules for this thought exercise. Yes. I'm, I'm, I'm okay. changing the, I'm changing the thought exercise. Pray All I right. don't alter it further. Um, <laughs> it, not so much. It's, it's looking at, okay, well, like we've, we've gone and looked at these things as if like, okay, we can't change things. Mm -hmm. But if you could go back and change something that is relatively inconsequential to the arc of history, right? So you can't shoot Hitler. Um, you can't uh, go back and create Lugal. Um, but you could change something Maybe just in your personal life, if you could go back, let's frame it like this. If you could go back and tell yourself something at the age of 16 and your 16-year-old self is going to believe you, what would you tell your 16-year-old self to do? What advice would you give your 16-year-old self? I mean, the easy cop-out answer is like, hey, invest in X, right? Sure, you know? but oh, I'm hey, talking. Hey, I'm Apple, talk like you know, like the, yeah. you frame this in the context of being self-serving. So the Fair easy enough. answer is, hey, you know that company that's basically bankrupt right now? Why don't you uh, throw a little money at them? Doesn't yeah. need to be a lot. It really doesn't. Trust me, bro. You know. <laughs> Trust me, bro. Buy real estate. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, that's I an know, interesting question. Expensive. I mean, there's there's lots of things with regards to like, and and I'm sure you've got similar things that you could say. The path that you took to get to where you are now, in terms of your relationship and your love life and want, those things, like I do not want to change that. Well, I mean, you got to where you are because of the the steps that you took, but it almost. 
like even if you could just go back and say to yourself you know what dude i know it sucks right now like you feel like you've hit rock bottom but it's It's gonna gonna be okay yeah you know don't even have to tell yourself to do anything differently just be like you know what it's got to be this way but it'll be worth it in the end chin up you know yeah stiff upper lip honestly i would i would uh the one piece of advice that i would give to myself at 16 years old is nobody is watching you like, that's an interesting one. You need to explain that a little bit more. Okay, so here's the thing: is that there's there's some things, um, and I'm I'm not gonna you know like tell the specific story, but I I said something absolutely horrific uh, to your wife at at one point, mm-hmm. and I I like looking back on who I was at that time. Like I was I was all about performing, right? And it, it was it was about everybody's watching me. So I have to be on, like, I have to be, I have to be performing all the time. Mm-hmm. Um, and the, the one, the biggest change in my personal behavior is that I'm no longer like, I'm still concerned about what people think about me, but I'm not, I'm not like, Oh, I, I need, I need everybody to like me. I need everybody to be impressed by me. Um, a line that I, I use to figure out if I actually want to work for somebody is I tell them, I don't want to try and impress you. I want you to be impressed by me, right? And it's a subtle difference. Mm-hmm. But uh, for me, like when I'm looking at like people to work with, if, if they understand the difference, that's somebody that I want to work with, mm-hmm. right? And looking back on myself when I was younger, I did not understand the difference. It's like, I have to do things to make people like me. I have to, I have to perform a certain way. I have to I have to be loud and obnoxious, right? All of the toxic masculine bullshit that we are taught or we were taught, I I was anyway, at a young age of like, this is who you have to be in order for people to respect you. I was just wrong. Yeah. And I learned that That's way too late. That's an interesting one. I think I have a similar one. Okay. You have to love your family but you don't have to like your family. That's a hundred percent true. It's okay to, to, and okay, let me be clear. I'm talking about your birth family, your, your, your mother, your father, your aunts, your uncles, your sisters, your brothers. I'm not talking about who you choose to spend the rest of your life with and your own children here. Yeah. Your racist uncle. Yeah. The amount of, of drama and just, frustration and anguish and being put in hard positions and stuff like i don't i don't i mean i'm not close to to really anybody in my family anymore i love them and you know we we get together at holidays and and stuff like that but they're not a daily part of my life anymore Mm -hmm. and we're all better for that and i think people eventually get there. But if I could go back and tell myself at at 20 or at 18, you know what? It's okay to admit that your family isn't great and to distance yourself from certain things. Yeah, It doesn't mean you don't love them. 
but you could admit that you don't like them. Yeah, it comes down to like being a little bit comfortable in your own skin, I think, and being able to say like, not everybody needs to like me. It's okay if some people don't. It's okay. There's uh yeah, there's there's so much anxiety that comes from the um and and I see it uh, in a lot of young people too about, you know, like looking at at Facebook and stuff and you know, you look at social media and everybody's perfect and everybody's polished and everybody's got, you know, filters on and everybody's on holiday in the Barbados and it's like that's bullshit. It's 100% bullshit. No nobody's actually that happy. Nobody's mm-hmm. nobody's that that content with their life. Like contentment comes from acceptance. It doesn't come from, you know, skydiving in the Maldives. Anyway, so that took a little bit of a serious turn. We should uh, should make some jokes now. Yeah, let's uh, let's let's talk about the Greco-Persian Wars. <laughs> crowbar, crowbar. All right. Uh, here's here's one of the the the, the interesting things about history is that there's some time periods that we know so much about and then also so know absolutely nothing about. Um, you know, we think of, of ancient Greece as something that we had a, had a pretty decent idea of what it was, how it worked, what people did, how they fought. And the fact of the matter is we, we have no idea. Like, the simple things. Like, you know, the, the stuff that, like, we, we have that, going back to the pirate thing, this sort of Hollywood kind of mainstream cartoonish idea of what they were that has no basis in reality. What was the most popular breakfast food? Probably beer. Yeah. So looking at the Greco-Persian Wars, so uh, for anybody that's seen the, the movie 300, as a good example, are the sequels. I'm talking about this period of time. That there were sequels? There was, yeah. Oh. Uh, uh, a series of conflicts between the Achaemenid Persian Empire and the Greek city-states. Greece wasn't actually a thing. I guess that's one of the interesting things that, you know, you got to say up front, is Greece wasn't a thing. You know, there were, there were all these Greek city-states that, you know, we have different names for now that, you know, like Sparta, that wouldn't have actually, like the city was named Sparta, but they would have gone by different names. Uh, they didn't like each other. They weren't a unified sort of like United States. They were, spent most of their time warring with each other until, you know, the the, the big bad empire who we tend to paint as the big bad empire. But like through the lens of history, if you're looking at it objectively, actually might have been the better option. Like the world probably would be a better place right now had uh, the Achaemenid Persians had things panned out a little bit differently. Um, certainly things like science and, and, and the study of mathematics and, and things like would have been much more at the forefront much earlier in in what we would consider our direct history. Obviously, they would have all their own problems, but uh, there's there's a few things like most people have seen the 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 shit about Thermopylae, right? The the thing that is actually portrayed in the movie Three Hundred, the the Battle at the Hot Gates, which, from the perspective of Persia, was like a skirmish that happened on Tuesday, and while it was a minor inconvenience, they ultimately won handily. 
and and just kind of continued on their merry way. Uh, but I'm interested in why it was a, a minor inconvenience. It's clear, and and we saw it later with uh, sort of the the, the further um, extension the of the Greco-Persian Wars, and then leading up to <laughs> Alexander the Great and his pushback into uh, the East. There was something that gave Greek combatants an advantage against what should have been a much superior force, both in terms of number, in terms of resource, in terms of logistics, in terms of funding. Like, it would be like if... if the United States now were to go to war with... Actually, let me just come out and say it this way. It would be like if Russia went to war with Ukraine and Russia lost. <laughs> On paper, it shouldn't happen. On paper, the, the, the Achaemenid Persians should have steamrolled through Greece. And you can argue that in the end, they actually kind of won, but not through direct combat. But what they, they, they went through there, like, is it, does it boil down to difference in, in just something as simple as armor? right? Weapons technology, the, the sword and shield or spear and shield versus the bow, or was there something else there that we're just not seeing? And that led me down a rabbit hole of, we don't actually know how Greek hoplites fought. We have these idea of these hedgehog phalanxes and stuff, but actual study into the, the weapons and technology that have survived through time make it very clear that like the positions and stuff that we think they put themselves into just weren't physically possible with the equipment. So what was a hoplite? You also have to ask the question, when was a hoplite? Because it certainly changed over time as as armor and weapons oh, adopted yeah. and stuff. But how did they actually fight? What advantages did it give them against the superior force uh, or what should have been a superior force in the Achaemenid Persians? And... <sighs> Here's an interesting thought experiment. This is why this is on my mind a fair bit. There is a significant skirmish. It's not a battle. It was a scouting force that the the Achaemenid Persians, uh, this was before the time of Xerxes, so his father Darius, Darius the Great, uh, would have been sitting atop the Persian Empire at the time, and he, he sent a scouting force a substantially sized scouting force, but a scouting force uh, in the direction of Athens, and and they came ashore outside a place called uh, Marathon, and it's a very very famous battle that happened there. Somebody ran a, a a place and died, and now we do it for fun. Why this is interesting, though, and I'm going to quote somebody here. Uh, da, 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 do I have the quote written down? I've got it paraphrased. So the Battle of Marathon, which happened in uh, 490 BCE in northeast Attica, is more important event to British history than the Battle of Hastings, which happened in 1066 CE, like 50 miles south of London. We think of the Battle of Hastings as like this big defining thing for, for what would become Britain, right? Right. the united kingdom and all of that but realistically speaking the events that happened at marathon have a much more significant impact on on what would become the uk and and, and england and, and britain 
than the Battle of Hastings. You know, you're going to have to defend that argument. Uh, well, imagine that Western civilization didn't exist. What we consider Western civilization, everything that sort of descended from the, the, the Greeks and Romans and Eastern Europeans, the Holy Roman Empire, basically everything in Europe. Mm, okay, fair enough. Yeah, because, I mean, British, British society is basically Roman society. Basically. You could argue that the, the, the Battle of Marathon is more important to the history of the United States than the Civil War. You could, but only by a matter of um, it's the pebble that started the, the avalanche that came down the mountain. That's why it's so interesting. Uh, it's neat. Causality is neat. But, I mean, I would, I would argue with your use of the more important. Um, okay. Had a more significant long-term impact on how history unfolded. Yeah, fair enough. Yes, for sure. You know, I mean, with the Battle of Hastings, like England, Britain, in, in one form or another, already existed by the time of the Battle of the Hastings, right? Like, it was more yes. or less who's in control of it at this point, you yeah. know, the relationship between uh, the, the Franks the, and, and, and shit at that yeah. period of time. Whereas England, the, what we would think of as, as, as the, the people, the population, the, the governing presence, everything would not have existed. Exist. Yeah. You know, somebody else would have been there. And well, yeah, the native population would have been there in, instead of the um, um, partially Roman uh, and various other peoples of the Roman Empire. Yeah. So yeah. I've got some other deep topics I'm going to skip. I obviously have to, to pay lip service to a couple of things. One, who wouldn't want to get a good look at dinosaurs? Like that's the obvious yes. one. That's been on my mind since we we opened yeah. this this topic. Yes, for a lot of reasons. Like you know, again, some of it is is purely scientific. Like we just there's so much of of the biodiversity of that time that just does not survive through the fossil record. Can you imagine T Rexes in lab coats doing experiments, and you show up in a time machine, and they're oh, thank God. There's an asteroid coming, and we're not sure that we're going to survive. <laughs> uh, I had a book idea that started something like that a long time ago. Uh, I have to, I, you know what? At some point, I'm going to unpack the trunk and find all of the, you know, aborted attempts that I've made at writing a novel and maybe pick one up again. It's probably not appropriate for the episode, but I had some shower thoughts the other day, and I think I'm going to try and put an outline together at the very least. I have an there interesting gimmick. It's not going to be wholly original because there's no original ideas anymore. But we we had a thing that we came up with at some point, and I can't remember if it was at like a, a first episode or a second episode. They really are different. We almost should put them in like two separate streams. Like here's the the sober first episode, and here's the episode where we're we're mostly pissed. Yeah. Um. But we had something where we were talking about like doing some kind of creative thing where we passed it back and forth. Mm -hmm. I think I said that out loud. Anyway. Um, you did. Anyway, we should do that. It would be good. It would be, it would entertain me anyway. Yeah, it'd entertain me. 
Um, I mean, I'll, I'll approach it the same way I'll approach it talking about playing Baldur's Gate 1 again. I mean, we've got to find the time and fit in and around all the interesting things that we want to do in the next few months. Hey, listen, winter's coming sooner for me than for you. I'm going to be trapped in my house anyway. I may as well do something creative. We're down to like 5C five, five this morning. It was nice. Yeah. Nice, brisk. I loved it. We're going to start getting freezing temperatures here in the next couple of weeks, I think. All right. Well, you know what? I, I think unless you have anything else that you would want to explore with your time machine, uh, I think I'm going to put a pin in that one. Last week. I would like to look at last week. That's the one thing about time machines I think that people forget. And there was a really good short story that came out and I wish I could credit the author and I, I can't remember. Um, but they, the the sort of thrust of the story was, is we have exactly what you're describing where we can look at time through a window through like tachyon decay or something like that. Right. And, but we can, we can only go back so far and we can, we, we can't go any sooner or any, any farther into the future than 50 years ago. So we have a window sort of between 50 years and 150 years. And after that, it's like, it's too decayed and we can't reconstruct it. Um, and you know, some scientist was super extra pissed about it. So he got together with an engineer friend and they made their own and they basically released the plans. Uh, and then someone from the government took them aside and said, do you, do you realize when the past starts? Like it literally starts right now. So if you have a time machine where you have a window into the past, you can literally look at 30 seconds ago and you have up to the minute intelligence. So that's my message. Time machine bad. Don't do it. <laughs> and and if you do make a time machine please don't look at me you know last night as i was going to bed i took my pants off i was gonna say oh your wife uh your wife wasn't home right so like who and, knows what kind of shit show that was i mean i'm just fat and ugly and old you don't want to see me naked were you eating in bed <laughs> i might have been yeah <laughs> i might have been she left me cake so you know what happens there Ooh. Hey, yeah. let's get into uh, 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 a sort of a pod bag. Okay. You've got mail. We've uh, we've got a message from Carlos. Carlos says, "Hello. How is it going? Hope all is well. I have some cool information that might interest you." Your podcast, Nerding Under the Influence, has good performance in Apple Podcasts rankings last 30 days, position 101 in the category of games in Belgium. This data is provided by podstatus.com. Happy podcasting, Carlos from Podstatus. How much do we have to pay to get all of the updated stats? Was Carlos? Was, in, was the pricing there, included there was in the no spam? pricing. Uh, no? Yeah, I wasn't going wasn't gonna to click on the link. But hey, Carlos, I question your intentions. I, I definitely question your judgment that you're reaching out to us thinking you're going to get anything. <laughs> but uh, listen, I, I just like hearing from you anyway. So hey, Carlos, how's it going with you? I hope everything is well. I've got some cool information that you might be interested in. Nobody in Belgium's ever listened to us. But hey, if you're in Belgium and you have, 
that reach out send Cheers us an email you. send us an email podbag at nerding under the influence.com yeah and carlos you can, listen like, listen if you ever want to talk about anything buddy i'm here for you reply to my email <laughs> i'll send you a link just click on it what could possibly go wrong oh man you know what? I would be super excited if next week we had uh, we had an email from that one listener in Belgium. And if you are listening in Belgium, I mean, like that's super awesome, cool. Belgium's a great country. So let's. Belgium's actually a country I know very little about. I, I know. I should very go into. Little. I should go into a time machine and 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 learn all about Belgium and their history. I, I know not a lot about Belgium. It's it's one of those those things where it's it's uh, a question I think of no news is good news. Right, because if we hear about countries from from that area of the world, it's typically because they've done something really, really bad. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't hear much about Belgium, so I assume that Belgians are just nice. Hey, that's that's probably a good assumption to have. Doing the math, I'm not sure. You know, if we got one listener in Belgium, like, does that put us in like position 101 in the category of games? I I, I would have to assume that that means that Belgians don't play a lot of games. They, I mean, they're a very, very serious and industrious people, I guess. Like, what's uh, the alternative that Carlos is full of shit? I don't want to assume that. Well, I, you know what? I, I, I just assume that Carlos is actually um, Chat GPT in a mustache and a fedora. So, okay. Wait, 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 wait. Why are you making the assumption that somebody named Carlos would have a mustache and a fedora? Um, the name wasn't even remotely uh, involved. It was just a question of, like, when you have a cartoonish villain who's in a disguise, what do, what do they do? They put on a fake mustache and a hat. I assume that he's so, also so wearing Carlos a trench coat. So Carlos is a villain now. Well, yeah, in this story, in my head canon. Carlos, I just want to make absolutely clear that the opinions being expressed here do not represent the opinions of nerding under the influence as a whole. 50% of it, though. <laughs> I would also like to point out that Carmen Sandiego was the inspiration for this particular mental image. So, I mean, how do you feel about Carmen Sandiego? Noted mustache twirler. Diego. It's a fake mustache. I very clearly stated that it was a fake mustache. <laughs> uh, all uh, right. You know what? Every every week we get together and we record about two hours worth of stuff or two and a half hours or something. And if if you were interested in editing that down, I'll bet you you could get 12 or 13 minutes of really good material. <laughs> eight. Probably eight. eight. A solid eight. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> not you know, not a grade eight, but like like Yeah. An okay. One oh one in one oh one in Belgium in category games. Right. <laughs> hey, the Belgians love it because it's short. <laughs> oh yeah. Uh all right. Hey, I got some uh semi relevant parting gifts for you all. And I show you how deep the rabbit hole goes. We've been talking history this episode, so it only makes sense to have a a history-themed parting gift. And 
while I, I watch and listen to some pretty expansive history stuff, uh, my recommendation today is a YouTube channel that offers bite-sized history. And they explore some really interesting sort of historical questions, uh, stuff that you wouldn't even think to ask. Um, uh, why did, I don't know, why was Texas curved up? Why no scramble for Australia? Uh, why wasn't Italy occupied after World War II? Uh, it's, it's four or five minute videos delivered in an entertaining and amusing way. Like there's a very, he's, he's got a formula and I laugh every time where he, he'll go and say something and then he'll say, uh, something quickly rebutting it, but you know, you know. True fact, no. You know, it'll be like, so-and-so did this, but actually, no. <laughs> and I don't know. There's just something about the way it's delivered. It is, like, very, very basic, sort of meant to be easily uh, reused animation assets. So it's not stick figures, but it's, like, a step above stick figures. It's, like, block figures with funny hair and different colored skin. And... <sighs> And as interesting as the content is, he does a read of all of his, his Patreon supporters afterwards, and the names of his patrons are just as amusing as the content. <laughs> and it's one of the very few things, like, you know, you, we all get to that point where, like, it's the end of a YouTube video, channel's doing a sponsor call-out or something like that, and you're just like, yeah, I'm done. Not, I don't need to listen to the rest of it because I know there's there's nothing here but advertising or nothing here but whatever it is, right? And Tanya and I have to listen to the end every time on this guy's videos <laughs> just to hear all the names over and over again. We've got our own sort of canon of <laughs> like what happens to these patrons when their names disappear or sometimes some of them show up twice. It's, it's, <laughs> it's quite amusing. So anyway, History Matters on YouTube. Check them out. Uh, it's a blast, especially if you're interested in history. If you're not, it's still fun. They don't need our support in terms of viewership. I think he's doing okay. I think they got uh, 1.6 million subscribers, so they're not nobody. That's 12 or 13 more than we've got. Yeah, checks out. <laughs> Math is hard. Um, I, I would like to, you know, this is, this is the part at the end of the video where you can completely skip past this. Cause we're, we're done talking about anything of substance, but I, I would like to, I finished watching Ashoka last week and I would like to talk about it next week. Okay. Next Have you watched week. this week's episode? What? There's more? Yeah. I thought it was over. No, it was we went... like eight, eight episodes or nine episodes in the season. Like episode six was today, last night at nine. Oh, Okay, well, in that case, I haven't finished watching it. And I'm glad I brought it up. Yeah. But we should totally talk about it because I, I have some things to say. I bet you do. I do. All right, man. And it's been good chatting with you. We'll have to do it again sometime. Um, same bad time, same bad channel. Next week, Star Wars. Next time. Next time.